I am definitely inclined to say that women are more empathetic and more inclined to giving a voice to everybody and men are more straightforward and making uh, decisions, not necessarily good or bad. I think uh, you can have success by having both styles. The question is when you apply one and when you apply the other. Hi everyone, today we're going to talk about women in finance and for that we have Angela Roska, who's a force to be reckoned with in the world of tax and business in Romania. Her journey is nothing short of remarkable. She first got a degree in mathematics and physics and then she got an international business degree and later topped it off with an MBA from the Romanian American Business School. But Angela's story isn't just about her academic progress. She's the managing partner of TaxHouse, a premier advisory firm in Romania that offers a comprehensive range of taxation services. What's more impressive? Well, the fact that TaxHouse is part of TaxM, which is a network boasting over 550 tax partners and 2,500 ta- uh, tax advisors across 50 countries. Angela is also on three boards of advisors. She's in the global board of TaxEnd, and she was the first woman on the board. She's on the board of the American School of Bucharest, and she's also on the board of the Romanian business leaders. So let's hear what Angela has to say. You worked in tax advisory from the beginning, which is a field of finance that has a glass ceiling for women. A study done by Forbes actually mentioned that about 46% of employees in the finance sector are women, However, only 15% occupy executive roles. And in 2019, the Deloitte Center for Financial Services actually reported that only six out of 107 financial institutions in the United States had female CEOs. So even though women do get jobs in financial services, their advancement to leadership positions is actually quite rare. What would you say is your take on this, Angela? Have you seen this in board meetings, client meetings, the fact that women are underrepresented in executive positions? And what would you say is the reason for this? Well, I think it depends on the market. Uh, In in Romania, traditionally women uh, are, let's say, more involved in the uh, business or industry or any other sort of work uh, environment. I think it's it's because in communism it was typical that women worked uh, equally, so we were treated equally uh, back then. And I think it sort of stayed. So I think in Romania it might be a little bit different than maybe in uh, in other countries. But overall, I do think that there are ceilings that happen not necessarily because uh, there is somebody out there that uh, you know deliberately decide that women should not uh, get to those positions. But uh, for instance, as my, my experience, you know, I went, when I got hired, we were probably equal uh, proportion of men and women in the tax consulting business, which was a new business in 1995, a few years after the fall of communism. Tax was something very exotic in the sense that in communism there were no taxes, so there were no tax consultants. That started uh, once, let's say, the free market economy entered the country. And so I entered immediately in a multinational back then. It was so-called big six uh, types of companies, currently so-called big four. But back then there were more than just four. And I started with one of them and, and I uh, I grew up pretty quickly together with my male, let's say, colleagues. And at, at some point when you reach the uh, 
the age where you want to, let's say, settle or you start having babies, I think that's where the ceiling comes in. Uh, because you have to make a choice and, and you have to take a break for a while and you know, uh, go home, take care of the kid, and then you go back. And when you go back, there is a sort of resistance uh, in, in many societies into traditional roles. Like, what are you doing here in the office? Like, this was the typical thing. Like, why aren't you home with the kid? Why are you back in the office? Why did you come so quickly? What is your, um, you know, interest in, in raising up to the top in the business community rather than taking a more traditional role to take care of the babies at home? And I think that's where women start having a debate within their own heads uh, like what should I do first like how, how do I choose this and then they start not trusting themselves their power to do both you know uh, things well and uh, that's why I think up to a certain point you, you manage to grow and then when you come to top levels then it starts to be a bit more difficult yeah I think uh, that makes a lot of sense we also read a lot about this in our class and we discussed how much of an impact the idea of having a family has on women. But I, I, I think based on my research, you have actually uh, started Tax House in 2006 after you already had Anna. And Anna was quite young back then. So what was your secret to um, actually managing both having like a family and uh, a child at that point and being in this uh, leadership, leadership position? Well, it's true. I... I uh... After working for about 10 years in, uh, in this large uh, multinationals, uh, X big four was my life. I think um, the reasoning, first of all, I decided to start my own business. I had an opportunity uh, to be asked to, to set up a new firm in Romania by some ex-Anderson uh, colleagues of mine in Western Europe. Um, and I was, you know, uh, at, at, the, at that time, indeed, I had a two-year-old daughter. Uh, she was really, really young. Um, and I was, at that point, was my partnership year. So after 10 years of working in, in that uh, global firm, I was about to be made a partner. And then I realized I would become like a sort of prisoner in my own life. Um, so I decided to take the opportunity, not realizing exactly, you know, that it's going to be really difficult, which it it was in the in the first years when you set up a business is really difficult. You sort of uh, have to do everything by yourself until you set up a team. And but on the other side, I had the ambition, you know, and I, I was on my own, uh, so I could decide my own tempo. My, you know, when I was uh, working, what uh, hours I was working, more like a bit like how COVID affected uh, our lives recently in the sense that I decided if I wanted to take care of the child, uh, I don't know, in the morning, I could work in the afternoon, which I, I couldn't do in the in the global firm I was working, where the tempo was different and I couldn't get out of a schedule which was imposed to me. And the leadership uh, wasn't like uh, on my agenda. Like I didn't realize I was a leader until I sort of became one. Um, I, I had, let's say, some seeds of leadership uh, in me since very early on. But uh, I think you until you do it, you, you don't really realize you, you are a leader. And many women are afraid to actually do it. They, uh, they feel they aren't up to it. Uh, they don't have the courage to take certain leadership roles because uh, 
they doubt themselves. Men don't doubt themselves. And I, I think they are more courageous in a way to take on positions that they are not already uh, maybe prepared for or even demonstrated that they can do it. But they are going towards that challenge. While women, until they demonstrate themselves they're up to it, they don't start anything. And and so I think that's a bit, again, it's not because men are, you know, uh, pushing us to the sides or no. I think it's 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 maybe sometimes, I, I believe it's maybe genetic, the, the way we tend to be less... Uh, risk takers uh, and and so this is my history with uh, setting up a firm it took a little bit of courage uh, it took a little bit of encouragement for my husband actually from my husband yeah no that's very inspiring and i think that's also important because when we we're talking about imposter phenomenon in our class we discussed how a lot of women feel like they're frauds when they get the dispositions of leadership. And the only way to solve this is by them having like a strong support system, by having a loving husband who tells them that, oh, it's going to be all right, or family or friends that are there for them. Have you ever felt yourself like an imposter and then saw oh, the yeah. impact that uh, your support system had on you? Yes, yes, I did. Um... And I was fearful as well, because when I started on my own, there were a lot of voices around me, especially former colleagues in, in, in this large firm that said, you will fail, you will fail, you will see, you, nothing's going to work, you won't have clients, you won't have money, you won't have uh, whatever. So I had to shut down all those you know, voices that, that were trying to pull me uh, off my track. And listen to myself. Sometimes, you know, I uh, I'm happy I I listened indeed to my husband back back then and some good friends. I said you you have to try it. You try it. And also my ex colleagues they were convincing me the Western European tax consultants that I I mentioned to you about. And um, I'm glad I listened to them. And you have also interacted with a lot of different leader leaders. I assume. Um, and some characteristics that are always attributed to leaders, just like you're saying, is like risk management, the capacity to take risks in the first place, objectivity, assertiveness, um, and uh, these are awfully attributed. Uh, these are often uh, attributed to men, and others also consider that our view of leadership should change, and uh, we should include a more. We should actually have a more empathic and inclusive leadership style, and. Uh, this is also called the transformative leadership style, which kind of fosters participation and sharing decision making. Now, I was wondering uh, which approach did you find more successful in your field and in your experience as an executive? Well, I tend to believe that women are more inclined to make decisions based on consensus uh, in the office. And I see myself doing that. Uh, quite often. Um, I'm not sure it's good all the times. So sometimes you just need to cut all the noise and think uh, you have sometimes a, a, a better and a more strategic view and so you, you could take decisions without necessarily involving everybody but uh, I tend to have uh, uh, acknowledgement and acceptance from the team so hopefully the implementation doesn't stop because people are not doing what I said we should do so but I've seen in my in my career over the years, various types of, of styles of leadership. Uh, it's true that because I worked in many organizations, uh, multinationals, I'm, I'm also a member of uh, three boards of advisors, uh, 
One is a global board for uh, the tax network that my company belongs to, and it's a global network of uh, companies in 50 countries, and I'm a member of the board. I'm the first woman on the board, actually. In the meantime, we have two other women. Wow, that's so uh, cool. <laughs> um, and I learned a lot from my fellow board members, especially men, obviously, because they were only men at the beginning. Um, I'm also a member of the board of the American School of Bucharest, and uh, we are uh, there more women, but I also learn various styles of management there. I'm a member of the board also of the Romanian Business Leaders, which is a business association uh, of Romanian uh, large and smaller entrepreneurs, um, where I also have seen a lot of leadership styles, especially in Romanian businesses, which, which are different than uh, definitely global, uh, the global corporate world, which I'm also familiar with. So I could, I could see various styles. I'm more inclined to have a leadership style similar to global firms because that's where I grew up. And that's, you know, it, it was more based on not necessarily consensus all the time, but uh, a certain type of communication and respect for uh, even the smaller member of the team. I am definitely inclined to say that women are more empathetic and more inclined to giving a voice to everybody and men are more straightforward and making uh, decisions, not necessarily good or bad. I think uh, you can have success by having both styles. The question is when you apply one and when you apply the other. And I think it's also interesting because you, you mentioned that uh, it's not necessarily related to women and men as well. It's also related to uh, the company and where it is, if it's in Romania or if it's a global company. So they're definitely very different styles of leadership. I don't think we should only think about them in terms of like the male type of leadership and the woman type of leadership. I think uh, it's more than that. And as you yes. said, it does depend a lot of on the situation. Um, so that's actually, that's actually. And the industry and the industry, Doriana, because if you think, you know, it's one thing to have a, a construction site with workers and how do you lead that uh, you might not need necessarily consensus if you need a certain type of leadership it's a different thing to be a leader in a consulting firm where you work mm -hmm. with consultants they cannot be led by you go you do that you do that you have to convince them so you have to employ a different style i think it's also the the type of business you are leading yeah of course and do you think that um, if you have like mentorship programs for uh, women in finance, uh, do you think that these are very helpful in inspiring them to uh, want to become executives or to join the field and also have the aspirations of having a, a leadership position? Because a lot of uh, companies nowadays have these uh, women in leadership programs like uh, Deloitte, for example. So mm -hmm. I was wondering what you think about this. You know, as, as long as they are not put in place just to just to tick mark that we have this program, because I've seen a lot of uh, companies that start various programs just just to say that they do something for equality. Uh, it, it's like with greenwashing, you know, companies that pretend they are very clean and, and not polluting and so on, but and they write very nice reports. But in fact, in reality, it's a bit different. Um, with women in leadership, I think the role of these programs should be clear to everybody, should, should raise the awareness that women can actually and should, uh, should aim high and should aim towards the leadership position. And 
the question is again to be only a nice words on, on paper because how do you do that by balancing out their lives because women they do need a break at some point and and the question in my case and i see it now as a as an employer for a number of women in my business that in the meantime have become moms you know how do you bring them back how do you uh, accommodate the life they need to have in especially like in a, in a period of their lives not the whole life but a, a couple of years you know until they figure it out until they realize you know the kid is is independent and you can take him or her to uh, kindergarten school or whatever so you have it's not just a program you have to have a complete set of tools to allow women to come back into leadership positions because at some point they will break when they are in their 30s let's say 40s yeah with kids and then how do you bring them back and make them uh, you know feel they belong to that place in a leadership position and i think i'm not sure whether all these programs programs are integrated with more than just you know a set of trainings or nice words that's that's yeah. my i'm an action person so not just a you know tick mark person yeah it's just it's not okay. just performative as a lot of mentorship programs are I was wondering if you also have a piece of advice uh, to other women that are thinking about breaking into tax as a profession. Um, definitely, you know, in our office, we struggle to find uh, men uh, because uh, it's more typical for women to go into uh, accounting finance uh, than, than for men. But uh, uh, it's, it's not typical in all markets. But let's say Romania is a bit... Uh, typical here um, and so there are a lot of women in tax uh, and more and more even in, in Western Europe my advice is for those uh, those uh, persons that are interested in international uh, matters because tax is very, something that can be very local or very global depends on which kind of taxes you are, you are covering and want to gain knowledge in my field of interest is, is true is international tax. I also lo know local tax because you cannot practice in a country without knowing the, the country's tax rules or accounting rules. But I, I was formed as an international tax consultant. So to me, it's very exciting to know about various types of taxes, international treaties, you know, various uh, uh, European directives. And I think it's a, it's a very creative and very attractive field for somebody that doesn't want uh, to be in a boring job is is very hard but definitely not boring so you learn something new every day i'm doing it for 25 years and i still don't know it all. so i still learn every day because it changes every day yeah uh, so once you learn something you have to unlearn it the other day and learn the new thing and it keeps you busy in a way with the exciting stuff it's not boring because it's it's not like let's say i don't know accounting is a bit more boring because you sort of if you learn it you still have new stuff to learn but you sort of the basics are the same and, and you, you sort of do something which is a bit of a routine in tax uh, it's less routine so it's more uh exciting but on the other side it's 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 a lot of knowledge that you have to to gain and i'm still wondering how will that uh, be impacted by artificial intelligence and it will i think it will uh, and how will we use in artificial intelligence in becoming smarter or 
making research based on artificial intelligence and coming up with the right answer based on you know critical thinking and analyzing what the artificial intelligence comes comes up with is not as as uh, straightforward as maybe other types of uh, jobs, but it's going to come, I think, in, in tax uh, as well. But it's an interesting choice of a career, and I, I don't think it will end pretty soon. I think it's a it's a job that goes well in, in any environment, in any type of economic uh, background, crisis or no crisis. Or... So uh, I, I recommend it for people that want to stay uh, excited and curious all their lives yeah you really sold it to me i'm almost convinced yeah it was great it was great and i think it does require a lot of curiosity and i think that that makes it sound very interesting for people it keeps you on your toes <laughs> yeah yeah definitely all the time keeps you young as well <laughs> 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 you cannot afford to get old you have to stay on top of everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well, thank you thank you so much angela for joining this uh call it was very interesting i really appreciate that you took the time for this and um i think uh people are also gonna love it it was it was insightful thank you for having me and uh, good luck and uh, wish all our you all your colleagues you know all the women that uh, will listen to your podcast to uh to be strong and to aim high um, and trust themselves they can do it thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope you enjoyed it just as much as i enjoyed filming it it was a very insightful conversation with angela and if you have other ideas of speakers that i should invite you can always reach out to me on email or on instagram and until next time don't forget to take the lead yourself <laughs>